Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 297. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Smile, Hello, and Zojo. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I am joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Hi, Stephen Hackett. And there's no Federico this week. No, he's on vacation. He is. They can have those in Italy, so he's, mm-hmm. actually, he's having one. Mm-hmm. And we hope that he is enjoying it. I thought, you know, I was like, how would I do a vacation? And I think mine would just be like, let's go hang out in the garage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. So, like, me and Adina were talking about this today. And she's like, oh, once everything's over in June, right? WWDC's all done. You should do it. And I'm kind of just like, but I wouldn't. Like, I would just be at home. I wouldn't be able to stop doing most of the things that I'm doing anyway. So, right. it's kind of, there's, it, there isn't really that much of a benefit to me. Mm-hmm. But there you go. So it is obviously a, a traumatic time in the world. And we did want to take a moment before we get in uh, to the show to to address this. Uh, Mike and I, Relay FM, we support the protest happening in the U.S. and elsewhere. There is no world in which the evil of racism should be tolerated. Absolutely not. Change is long overdue in this country and others. There's no differing opinions here. When it comes to racism and police brutality, there's only really one side to this argument, right? It's it's an evil. With most a lot of political things, right? You can say, well, I don't believe this, but I know other people do, and people are entitled to their own opinion. But this isn't one of those situations, right? Like, there is no other opinion when it comes to racism. You either think that is a terrible thing that shouldn't exist, or that's it. Like there is no, there's no counter argument to this point, right? Agreed. And and look, you you may be upset that we're talking about this, and we would urge you to try to understand why that's upsetting to you, because it's something that we we all need to address and to work together to make better. It's, it takes mm-hmm. all of us. So uh, we have um, a resource in the show notes. Mike, do you want to talk about this real quick? Yeah, I've seen this. There's a lot. There's a lot of resources right that we've all seen going around but i've seen this one website going around called blacklivesmatters.card.co and what i like about this resource is it's lots of resources collected into one so whether you want to donate whether you want to sign petitions whether you want to get resources to educate yourself or you know whatever it is you're looking for including resources for other countries now that are getting involved in these uh, protests in more significant ways. Mm-hmm. This one I found to be very useful for me. Like initially I was struggling to find somewhere I could donate because a lot of um, donation funds don't allow non-US participants to donate to them. But for th- this website, I was able to not only find a place, but also find like a workaround to be able to actually make a donation uh, to a cause that I believed in. So I, this is a good place to start if you don't know where to start. Um, so I, I would recommend checking this one out and it'll be in our show notes. Depending on where you are, there may also be local organizations working. That's one way uh, my wife and I have uh, gotten involved is with some local local folks. So um, anyways, we wanted to address that. We did not want this to go by uh, without doing that. So. With coronavirus, we're all in it. We're all experiencing it, right? And there is no second viewpoint on it, right? No one's arguing it. No one's arguing. Well, I was going to say no one's arguing it that it exists, but I think 
there are people now. So you can kind of ignore that. Uh, coronavirus is happening and it's horrible and we need our world leaders to make the right decisions. And Black Lives Matter is a real thing and it does matter. And I hope that everyone pays more and more attention to this now. Um, and like educate yourself, surround yourself by people. I've been paying more attention to following more black people online. I realized that I was not following enough black people. So I am looking to fix that. One of the great things is I follow a lot of people that retweet people with lists. It's like, great. I found a bunch of new people to add to my feed so I can try and understand more, right? Like the, the, and I'm, we all are, but I'm working on some things as well for myself right now that I want to do to try and be able to contribute more. So I'll be talking about stuff as we all will over the weeks to come. Well, should we do some follow up? Oh, please. Uh, we spoke last time about Federico leaving Apple Arcade. Now he has mm-hmm. left the, the show just for a week. <laughs> He saw that I'm going to talk about the Mac later, and he said he wasn't coming, so uh-huh. take that as you uh, would you will. Uh, so anyways, we were curious what would happen uh, if your Apple Arcade subscription lapses and you still have those applications on your device. So Joe sent us uh, what happens on the phone. The apps are still on your home screen, and you tap them, and basically you get a pop-up that says, hey, this is Apple Arcade. You can play a bunch of games. Here's how you sign up. So pretty, I think pretty well done. Doesn't kick you to the App Store. Nor does it delete them. Like, I actually think this is the kind of the best case scenario. So, like, the apps icon stay on your phone in case you didn't know, like, maybe your credit card expired or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, like, you canceled it by accident. You weren't sure what you were paying for. Uh, So, I actually kind of like, I I like that this is the response where it just pops up and it's like, look, if you want to play this, you can pay. And I would assume it saves your progress as well, would be my assumption. I Um, I would hope so. That would be great. And then uh, Logan sent in what happens on the Mac, which is far less pretty. Uh, so basically, it you open the app, and it instead launches the App Store, the Mac App Store, and then basically that same view comes in in the App Store, saying, "Hey, you're not signed up. Here's how you do it." So yeah, that that's like some weird. That that's interesting, right? Like some weird like hole being poked in there like it's like clearly it can't work without the app store but like on the iphone the app store is clearly more integrated right right yeah yeah. that's funny that's really funny (laughs) which is fine by me i don't want it more integrated on the mac than it is so yeah Yeah. it seems like it it sort of degrades pretty gracefully if you give up your subscription uh i have some bad news oh okay good that's what i want i've misplaced my apple pencil Okay. Like in a way that I think it's gone. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know quite Wait. when it happened. I did this video of like what's in my bag. And so I mm-hmm. took taken everything basically all apart. And I think it disappeared about that time. But I'm kind of like, I mean, I'm bummed because it was expensive, right? And that I don't know where it is, but I haven't really missed it in terms of use. But it's got to be somewhere in your home or studio. Right. I haven't gone anywhere else, but. I don't know. Is it hidden in your bag somewhere? Did you I don't know. Maybe bag? it's in like a deep pocket that I haven't found yet. But anyways. Uh, but it did make me think about my sort of Apple Pencil usage. And I realized that basically it's it's zero. Like I'll use it to navigate things sometimes. But with the Magic Keyboard, the trackpad has just taken over for all that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not an artist in the sense that I draw or, or you know sketch or anything on the iPad. I don't like handwriting on the iPad. Give yourself some credit. 
You know, you could be an artist if you want to be. I did spend two years in art school and then I changed See? my major. So I feel like I know more than most that it's not for me. <laughs> what were you doing in art school? I, f- I knew you then, right? Uh, no, this would have been in 2004, 2005, 2006 okay. before we met. Journalism school is what I remember yes. doing. Yes, I was in art school and then I took a drawing class and it was terrible. Mm. I was studying graphic design, <laughs> but I had to take okay. traditional art classes and I was really bad at them. So I changed my major two years in, which is not what you should do. If you're if you're getting ready to go to college or you're thinking about going to college, maybe just don't declare your major until you're super sure because you basically restart the clock on a bunch of classes you need. Anyways, it uh, wasn't for me. But uh, I did want to talk a little bit about the Apple Pencil and the Magic Keyboard because I kind of hate them together. Like when you close it, it's like you have your iPad and you have like two tubes down the side. One is the USB-C pass-through. And you have uh, the Apple Pencil on the other side and like flops out, you know, just you can lose it. Apparently you can lose it really easily. I just, I really was hoping the Magic Keyboard would integrate some sort of Apple Pencil storage solution. I saw a patent, you know, everyone loves patents, right? Patents. Mm-hmm. What patents. is it? How do you call them? Patents? Patents. 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 I say it with a D because I'm... Yeah, I, I saw a patent filing uh, for the Magic Keyboard... I'll put it in the show notes that shows a uh, Apple Pencil storage solution in the little tube thing. Yeah, it's just right there. Put them together. My thinking on that is they went ahead and made the best storage solution for the Apple Pencil, which is just to attach it to the iPad itself. Uh, you, I feel like this feels like a regression to me to to then store it inside of the Magic Keyboard. Thing. It'd be nice to have the option. So, like, if if it's in a bag, you don't knock it off and misplace it. Like, yeah, right, like but, it's great on the top because you can take it on and off and it charges and everything. But it'd be nice if there was like a discreet way to have mm-hmm. some sort of secondary place, so it's like more tucked away more safely. That's all. I feel like. If it's in a bag, the place you've misplaced it is in the bag. It's just in the bag. True. Maybe. Right? It doesn't... Beats me. I don't but know where my Apple Pencil is. I definitely use my uh, Apple Pencil less since the trackpad support. Interesting. I was going to ask you. Yeah, because, you know, I I always have my iPad pretty much always in the keyboard, right? So if I'm not using it with uh, the external trackpad, like on my stand... If I'm using my iPad on the couch, I typically would have used an Apple Pencil to do some navigation stuff, but now I use the trackpad a lot. Um, I, I still use the Apple Pencil for signing stuff and for some when I'm marking up documents, like the traditional uses of it, uh, but I don't, I don't do any drawing of any kind, um, so I don't use it for that. So I, I have basically... I still use the Apple Pencil, but it has been... Uh, relegated from its role as a pointing device for my iPad. Yeah, that makes sense. I think for a lot of people, the trackpad is way better (laughs) for a lot of things. I wanted to follow up on the iPad mini with you. Oh, yeah. Did you get one? No. Uh, We spoke about it last time Mm -hmm. that Federico got one and everyone was super excited about it. Yeah. Uh, And you mentioned in iMessage a couple of days ago that you were loving your iPad mini more and more. And I was just wondering why like what what is it about this device that's making you so excited at the moment yeah i think what i said was oh no my 11 inch ipad pro feels enormous (laughs) yeah okay that's that's probably that is definitely a better way because i was using my 11 inch out of the keyboard the other night Mm -hmm. because i'm trying to buy a ceiling fan 
Anyways, that's a whole complicated situation that I'm in. Wait, I don't understand how those two things go together. Because I was looking for ceiling, I was doing ceiling fan research on my iPad. You're, you're just like, I was using my iPad outside of the keyboard case because I was looking for a ceiling fan. How everybody like, does it, yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone, hashtag relatable. That's right. Well, I was uh, laying on the couch with just the iPad because I need a ceiling fan and it was too hot to get a laptop. So, you know, I was draped across the couch looking for a ceiling fan on my 11 inch. I was like, oh, this iPad is enormous. Right. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I have normalized the size of the iPad mini. Mm. I don't know. I'm, I'm enjoying it for reading, like Federico said. And I've got a Kindle, but I'm actually, uh, I just started this new book and am reading it on the in the Kindle app on the iPad just to see if I like that experience. But for kind of like around the house stuff, it's better than my phone in a lot of ways. Because like if I'm just around the house, it doesn't, like it doesn't have to fit in my pocket necessarily. And Spoiler alert, I've just been around my house for a while now. I don't know. And so something about the size is is nice. You know, if you want to read in bed or like catch up on Instapaper, it's just, it's a really nice size. And as someone who does not use their iPad for much work, it's, uh, it's kind of nice as like that, you know, kind of social media web type thing. And uh, I've just been, I've been kind of smitten with it. I've been thinking that I should probably break out my 11 and use that more at home. Mm-hmm. Um but it's kind of for me at the moment. It's just that that's just been sitting in my travel bag, womp womp, as it always usually does. Uh, and I've been either using my large iPad most of the time at my desk, uh, and then just my iPhone when I'm not at my desk. But maybe I could use the smaller iPad around the house a little bit too. Yeah, or you can get a mini just sitting there completely unused. Get a mini. However, I am considering maybe to not touch it because. Probably in like two weeks, it's going to become the sacrificial iPad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be beta season, and mm-hmm. yeah, I've been thinking about that with my with my MacBook Pro. What I'm going to do uh, for a reason that is not important for now. There's going to be a time this fall where I'll be working on just my laptop for probably quite a while, and that precludes me from putting the beta on the laptop probably because I'm going to need to do like production work from somewhere else for a while. So. Anyways, I have, I'm really questioning how I'm going to do my setup this year for, for Mac OS beta. Wait, what are you going to need your laptop for? I'm going to... Fine. So I am going to have to have foot surgery at some point in the fall. Ah, yes. I won't be able to come out to my office because I'm going right. to like not be able to walk for a bit. So that'll be fun. So my plan is to like set up a, a little desk somewhere inside the house where I could record mm-hmm. and edit You know, once, I, once I'm recovered enough to work but not come out here... Yeah. Because I'm not supposed to put any weight on it and stuff, so. Those episodes are going to be fun, because, like, you're going to have, like, big bad energy. (laughs) (laughs) It's, like, just going to be, like, super chill. Or we could do a return of you on pain medication. That's happened a few times in our recording career, where you've been kind of, like, a little It has. It happened after I had elbow surgery, and I was super stoned. Yeah, it was amazing. So I would like like both of those things. As long as you edit that episode... (laughs) I would totally, I'm very happy with it. That'd be great. <laughs> so anyway, so my laptop will be my only Mac for a while, uh, maybe like six weeks or something. So I won't be able to come out here and it, mm. it's going to, that's going to hamper how I deal with the Mac OS beta this, this year, I think. So mm. yeah, probably we'll see, but that's not till the fall. So I got some time to worry about it um, and I'll be fine. So anyways, get an iPad mini, become a three iPad guy. No, I don't want one. Tripad lifestyle. Do it. It's it's a very good name. I will grant you it's almost worth it for that name. Uh, but I'm already only using one of my two iPads. I don't need a third one. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> right? Like, I think I'm probably good. Can we take a break? Yeah. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends over at Smile. Text Expander lets you use abbreviations to expand simple things like your phone number or address. Really, anything you type repeatedly, you should use Text Expander for. I first used it way back when I was a Mac genius. We had it at the Genius Bar on those like floating laptops we used to have, so we can make all of our case notes kind of all conform to each other. I fell in love with it instantly, and I honestly can't use a Mac without it. This is one of those utilities I recommend basically to anyone using a computer. If you're using a Mac or iPhone or iPad, it's available everywhere. It saves me tons of time each month. It updates your snippets on all your devices. What's really cool is a bunch of iOS apps support it natively, so you can just sync your snippets to them. So you can use this uh, at work, at home, anywhere in between. And you can make your snippets more powerful. You can do fill-in forms, pop-ups, and more. You can even fire AppleScript on the Mac with Text Expander, which I do pretty often. Really cool. And it's available for teams, so you can manage and share snippets uh, across your organization. If you want to learn more about Text Expander, they do these really cool webinars every month. So you can sign up for the beginner, advanced, or team webinars to learn more about boosting your productivity at textexpander.com slash webinar. Text Expander is available for macOS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And connected listeners will get 20% off their first year. Just go to textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more. Check it out now and see your productivity improve at textexpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to Text Expander for the support of this show and Relay FM. All right, Mike, I saw a screenshot of something on your Mac and I have questions. All right. So your username or your short username, your home folder name on your iMac Pro is Relay FM. Wait a second. Are you is it okay to tell people that? I feel like that's not okay. Yeah. They don't know your password. Well, I don't know. Like I always see people like Blocking out that kind of stuff. No, it's just me and you today. No, (laughs) seriously, like I honestly don't know. It's fine. Am I going to get like hacked now or something? No. Okay. My home folder's name is Steven with a capital S. I'm not worried about it. Okay. This started a conversation in my mind about why is that true? Okay. Why not just use your name? Oh, when you said a conversation in your mind, I thought you were about to give me like the both... Like the actual conversation that unfolded uh, in your brain. Well, but then you, just want then to know you would answer. know how I think you sound in my head, and that's embarrassing. So, okay, you're well, very jolly in my mind, though. It's a lot of like uh, sing song talking. Previous, my previous computer to this one was a Mac Pro that technically Relay FM bought for me. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. And so I just named that account. Relay FM because it was Relay FM's Mac and it wasn't, I didn't really properly use it as my own Mac. And then eventually I sold it. We took care of that, but I bought <laughs> Threw an it in iMac the river. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I bought an iMac Pro instead and just did, oh no, I bought an iMac, I yeah. should say. I bought an iMac, right? The Retina iMac. And I just did Migration Assistant. So now that machine was called Relay FM. And then I did Migration Assistant again. So now this machine's called Relay FM. So they're all just called that. So just it is possible to change this. I'll put, there's a support link in the show notes. And it is terrifying. <laughs> like, I mean, I didn't. I, just, I never asked for this. Like, I didn't want to change. Oh, I've done this. What? I've done this. I did this. When I did Migration Assistant. Do you remember this? 
migration assistant to my iMac Pro failed like two or three times. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. And I had to rename everything. And I followed a very specific set of mm-hmm. instructions, and I think it was it was this that I that I followed, because it was my account was called like Relay FM two or something, and that was just completely unacceptable. Because uh, I remember remember I had like really bad issues with migration assistant, which is just like one of those things that should never go wrong. It's true. But it, it was going wrong for me quite badly. So yeah, I had to do this. It was horrifying. It is horrifying. I once uh, did this. I changed uh, the user home folder, short names, all kind of the same thing, on a laptop in like 2002, 2003, running Mac OS 10.2, which early versions of OS 10 really didn't let you do this. There were like some kind of, I mean, as hacky as it is now, some mm-hmm. really hacky ways to do it in the past, but I didn't know any of those. And so I was like, oh, let me just change the name of this folder. And then I logged out and then didn't have a user folder anymore. Wait, so you just, you didn't bother to look at anything. You were just like, I'll change, I don't want the name, I don't want this folder to be called that anymore. I'll just change it. Yeah, I didn't know very much. As, yeah. You know, I'd only been using the Mac for like a year. So mm-hmm. I thought, hey, I'll just uh, do this. And it, 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 it was real bad. I lost some files. Uh, it was a work laptop. I was on a deadline for that job, of course. Nice. And lost some files that were not on an external drive. Remember, this is before Time Machine, right? Time Machine wasn't until 10.5. And so I always tell people now, if I get asked this, even though there's a way, I'm like, no, don't do it. <laughs> like, it's just, in my mind, it's such a stigma attached to it. It's like, it will destroy your life. Sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. You learn the hard way, you know? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I've ever done anything this catastrophic in my modern Mac life but i had a mac laptop of some description that was running a version of pre os 10 mac os i don't know which one it was right um this was when i was a kid it was like my uncle's laptop it was you know one of the mac laptops that had a trackball in it right like that's kind of what we're talking about what could that have been do you think roughly it's like a black one had a trackball on it some really ancient power book yeah, so, and and I he gave me that to kind of just like tinker around with or whatever. And all I remember is I did something to it that made the like sad Mac face, you know, <laughs> or the and also the floppy disk with the question mark. Yeah. So I don't know what I could have done to it, but it wasn't good. That's no good. Rest in peace. Yeah. We've, we've all made mistakes. Is what we're saying. Yeah. Can't do it now on the iPad, really. You know, it's all locked away. But the Mac uh, still has its rough edges. I saw um, this. There was a story a few weeks ago about Apple News Plus potentially getting audio versions of stories. Like Apple was going to pay for the production of them, and publishers just had to opt in. And you know, it could end up being good for publishers who opt in because it means people will be more likely to spend more time with their content, right? Which is how um, Apple News Plus publishers are paid on that very generous 50-50 split that Apple make with them. <laughs> and uh, there was a, a, I saw a post on Mac Rumors where some iconography has been found that seems to suggest that this is in the 13.5 beta. So it's Apple News Plus audio. And then there's also a secondary icon with a headphone logo and audio, you know, suggesting that they're doing something to get ready to introduce this initiative. Uh, I think this is funny in the sense of like it's in 13.5. 
like maybe that's going to happen sooner than expected i wasn't expecting this to be a thing that occurred before ios 14 but Mm -hmm. maybe this is a case of like well apple news plus really isn't doing what we want so we're adding this feature yeah like for me personally this i still don't imagine myself becoming a news plus subscriber no but this is the type of feature where i would maybe give it a bit more consideration than i had previously like if all of my favorite news companies were in this thing i may be more inclined to pay for it if i could get audio uh, versions of the articles that i want to read because you know you know me right like i don't really enjoy reading um so there are times where like these really long articles that i would like to read and i can only get like a quarter of the way through and i just bail out but if it was audio focused then i could just listen to it and you know i'd be happy i'll be on my way Uh, especially because what i like about what it seems apple is doing is that they are going to have human beings read the audio um there you know there's schools of thought for either using virtual voices or humans for this stuff i personally lean towards human me too for obvious reasons like i just prefer the sound uh and so they're going to be doing that and apple that's what they want to do but it seems like it's going to be in 13.5 maybe um one what do you think about this uh just as a, a, a overall initiative and two about it coming seemingly sooner rather than later yeah i think it's a, a good addition to news plus clearly it hasn't landed with a a lot of people and i think there are a lot of people like you uh, and also like me who would prefer to listen to news i mean one of the things i do on the home pod a lot is hey tell me the news right Mm. and i think a lot of people like that sort of way of consuming those things and if they can do it in a way that is high quality and easy to use like maybe you're on an article and the ones that have audio, there's just a button you can tap and it reads to you. I think that's fantastic. As far as the timing, you know, I could see this being an iOS 14 thing, but at the same time, that's not till September or October. And my guess is that they want to try to move the needle on News Plus as much as they can. So it, whenever this is ready, I think they would do it. And like, it doesn't need iOS 14 in theory. Like, you don't have to wait. It's not going to be like oh can't wait for iOS 14 right like it's not gonna be that kind of feature i don't feel like i mean these rumors say that it's just news plus i don't think this would be something that apple news itself would get like this is a premium feature but yeah maybe eventually it could end up as part of apple news proper at least for some stuff i don't know there's a there's a cost associated like i can only imagine they would do that if they wanted to try and sell you on upgrading to news plus like oh you like this feature huh Hmm. maybe you want to give us some money and get all your news this way maybe you get like three audio stories a month or something and after that hey you really ought to pay up yeah cool yeah i like it i would like more stuff like this like i um listen to Stratechery, the Stratechery Daily Update. I listen to it every single day and like that very much, like to the point where I wished more people that did email newsletters offered podcast options. Mm -hmm. Like I've even thought about asking some people, but don't. Um, Like, but you know, there there are, and I don't mean like um, something like the Mac Stories newsletter, Club Mac Stories doesn't make sense for me in that way. Like, because it's more like chunked up I'm talking like the hot like hot pod could do it. Yeah, hot pod could do it. Um, I would like Casey Newton to do it. 
mm-hmm. for I think uh, Casey's is called Interface. I think is the name of of his new email newsletter. Like more, I would like stuff like that where it's frequent, almost daily, and they are long articles. Like it's just one article, basically. Um, I would like that a lot, um, but it's a lot of work, and especially, I mean, especially in Casey Newton's thing, I don't. It's not a pay-for newsletter, although I would personally pay to get that feature. Um, but I would like it because these types of podcasts are so good. Like that, it's just a ten-minute thing. Like you can just fit that in all anywhere, right? Like washing the dishes, listen to an episode of Stratechery. Like great, and I listen every day, and I feel like I am more informed because of it. So I like being informed. Like I like to have been informed, but I don't. I I just don't have the I don't even know what the the right word would be to actually read these things. I especially don't like it it's email, right? Like I don't like extra email cuz I get lots of email. So I have to like move all these things around to different folders or whatever and then I never read them. So I would like this stuff to be popping up more in my uh in my my podcast app of choice. Maybe you could print your email newsletters and then read them out loud to yourself. Mm. Think about that. I mean, that's not it's not helpful. Well, really. Please consider the environment before reading this newsletter. That's what they all say at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have another story in here about Apple Music and podcast and Zane Lowe. What's going on here? I just wanted to make sure that you were aware that I think your pick about original podcasts has come to fruition. Mm. I don't want to call it done yet from this one, but I think we can put this in for consideration of the argument later on in the year. So the Beats 1 show that Zane Lowe does, which is interviews with music musicians, has been put in to Apple Podcasts now. So the interviews also exist as a podcast. I believe they are also still existing on uh, Apple News... No, on on Beats 1, Apple Beats 1, Apple Music Beats 1. So the the pick being that you suggested, I think, was original content? Uh, So the pick, as written, says, Apple launches its own podcast content beyond Oprah. Then, yeah, I mean, this would probably be it. Right, I feel like this will probably get you what you were looking for mm-hmm. for a point. So you finally got on a scoreboard. Congratulations! <laughs> Too bad that's not yeah. my Ricky pick. Yeah, because I'm in Your trouble. Ricky pick's not happening. Your Ricky <laughs> pick's not happening. It's definitely the Ricky. By the way, is that Apple will launch a podcast app on Android? It's just not happening, in my opinion. But good luck to you, my friend. Mm-hmm. I'm going to clean up. This is this is your year to lose. Yeah, it really is at this point. All right. Yeah, I mean. I think it's cool. I think having content that is behind the Apple Music paywall, having that come out a little bit is neat. And content like this is the perfect, like the perfect thing to do, right? Like these interviews, standalone as podcast episodes, I think it makes a ton of sense to move yeah. that content to that format. Yeah. I mean, in other Beats 1 shows probably wouldn't move as easily because they feature a lot of music and that's not going to work. Um you can't really put that in a podcast because it's music. There's a bunch of rights around that. But the interview stuff makes a lot of sense to do it. I think it's clever. Mm-hmm. All right. Ready for uh, our second break? Yeah. All right. This episode is also brought to you by Hello, the folks that make insanely comfortable buckwheat 
pillows. If you haven't tried one of these, it's pretty different from your regular fluffy pillows. Uh, honestly, way better because your head and neck is supported all night. This doesn't collapse under the weight of your head like traditional pillows. It stays cool and dry, unlike those other pillows. So you don't have to like turn it over in the middle of the night to the cool side. It's always cool. You can add or remove filling to suit your needs so your pillow can be just the way you like it. And buckwheat pillows have been around for a long time. They're very popular in countries like Japan, and they're on fancy pillow menus at fancy hotels. Hello sent me one, and I got to say, my daughter stole it from me. She tried it out, and she just took it. So she really likes it, and uh, she finds it very comfortable, and we were able to adjust it. It's really easy to adjust the the size of it. You basically unzip it, and then we put some extra buckwheat in a gallon-sized Ziploc bag, put it on the shelf, so if we ever want to add back to it, we can do that. It's something you just can't do with traditional pillows. Hello is made in the US of A with quality construction and materials. The certified organic cotton case is cut and sewn for durability, and the buckwheat is grown and milled in the US. So if you're curious to try one of these, you can. You can sleep on it for 60 nights, and then if Hello isn't for you, you can send it back for a refund. Head on over to hellopillow.com slash connected right now to get your own buckwheat pillow. That's hello pillow, H-U-L-L-O, pillow.com slash connected. And if you buy more than one, they have a special discount of $20 off depending on the sizes you opt for. They have fast free shipping with every order and 1% of profits are donated to the Nature Conservancy. Give it a try. If you love it, you keep it. If you don't, send it back. That's hellopillow.com slash connected. Our thanks to Hello for their support of the show and of Relay FM. I saw an article a week or two ago on Mac Rumors suggesting a rumor, as you would assume, from Mac Rumors, but not about the Mac, about the iPhone, about uh, a portless iPhone. Mm-hmm. So the kind of the, the way it goes is this that the iPhone twelve will have a lightning port as we would expect, but maybe not one. I would prefer USB C. Um, but that the iPhone thirteen will have no port. It will have no iPhone, uh, no lightning port on the iPhone, no USB-C port on the iPhone. It will feature Qi for charging and a smart connector for data. So if you needed to plug it into your computer or whatever. I have a lot of questions about this. I think my first one is kind of like, why? Like, why would you want a portless iPhone? Mm-hmm. I can't really work it out. Like feels i guess like a design thing like you would do it for design reasons like oh look how beautiful this design is but that feels honestly kind of stupid to me like i like that that feels like honestly the worst of apple design so again this is presuming this is true right so just for the sake of this conversation let's presume this is true right okay and that this will happen. It's just easier that way. Like it feels like if that if they were to do this, that it's everything that people hate about Apple design, mm-hmm. right? Like because again, I will still state this as I have for many years: the removal of the headphone jack. There was never any good reason for it, right? They removed it from the iPhone Seven. Yes because they needed to get rid of it the year before the iPhone 10 came out. 
because they didn't want the iPhone 10 to have it or the iPhone 10 couldn't have it because of what they were building, right, with their curved screen. So they removed it from the 7 so that that wouldn't be the story of the iPhone 10. No one will ever convince me otherwise. Like that, I 100% believe that that is the case. And I've never seen an argument that was convincing to me. Um, like, because people are like, oh, they put this chamber in it, but like the chamber was empty. Like, or was, there was nothing behind it. It wasn't actually connected to anything, like, speaker wise. Um, it wasn't, it isn't a waterproofing thing because waterproofing exists on. Uh, phones today that are like like the ip68 rating exists on phones today that have a headphone jack so i believe that they either wanted to or needed to do it for the 10 so they did it from the 7 so they sacrificed to set the store the, like the bad press because you don't want the bad press on the iphone 10 so removing but removing a charging port i just can't, like it feels even worse to me because like bluetooth is better I don't think Qi is better. I just don't see... I don't. I know people prefer it. I mean, and we'll get to some of the problems that you can have like when you start extrapolating this out to your life, right? But I just don't think that an overall experience of Qi charging is better. I, I really cannot... And I've been thinking about this for like two weeks. I've wanted to talk about this story. I can't find a positive reason that you would do this. Logically. Well, I agree with you. I think, A, I think you're totally right about the iPhone 7, but I think you're right about this too. And it is just one of those things that you're right. It is everything that people like to beat up on Apple for, right? This would be the epitome of that and on their most popular product, right? When it's on something other than the iPhone, people may be a little more forgiving, but the iPhone's the most important thing that the company makes. And to change it in any dramatic way is always a gamble. Think about when they went from 30 pin to lightning, people were furious for years. And I think that's why we haven't seen USB-C yet because they don't want to go through a port transition again. But this seems like going well beyond a port transition, taking it off completely. Uh, I don't, I don't see it being a good idea. The lightning transition, right? Whilst frustrating, you could see logic to it. The Lightning port had more functionality, it was way smaller, it was bi-directional or omnidirectional, however you say it. You didn't have to do the pin thing. Remember, like we had to like I don't I think they ended up changing that, but initially like the 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 30 pin connector had those little um attached like, release like the, tabs. the release things on the side. I think they ended up getting rid of that for the iPhone, right? Uh, I Eventually think so, yeah. I think you could just pop it in and out of there, but um it wasn't omnidirectional right the 30 pin it only went in one it way it was not it was not reversible so it had it up and a down just like usba did the lightning is better in every way for that right it's mm-hmm. smaller so you can do more things from a design perspective if they even had a smart connector on this device it's still that's still arguing the fact that you can't go completely like connectorless right but that smart connector would be not for charging, it would seem. Or maybe it would charge slowly. I don't know. But the rumor suggests that it will only be for data. So if you had diagnostic issues or if you wanted to sync over a cable or whatever, you could use a smart connector for that. So, like, yeah, it just doesn't feel like that there is a benefit that I can see. Like, it's you know, if this was the introduction of wireless charging, maybe you could sell people on it. But it's not even that, right? Like, Qi charging has existed 
and it continues to exist. But I think I think this being the beginning of wild charging would actually be harder because at least now people Good have point. these things. Good point. You have and, to get and they're in a lot of cars to, too. To, a lot of new cars yeah. have wireless charging pads. I see it in some restaurants and stuff too. Like I had seen it in like coffee shops, stuff like that, or airports, like places where you would want to charge. I was starting to see more Qi charging because like Qi is good as a universal standard because all phones of all manufacturers have it, right? Now, arguably, USB-C is going this way too, though, which is... You know, basically, really, it's the iPhone is the holdout of new devices. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least, the, you know, we can all agree on Qi. Uh, that's that's quite fun. I'm pretty proud of that. Um, but, like, everyone is, is like, you know, both iPhone and Android, like, amongst all manufacturers, like, everyone's using Qi charging. So it's, like, universal standard. So it can be used in, and it can be available in places. But my, I always think about, because it will happen again one day, traveling, right? Mm-hmm. Like I remember this when the uh, when the headphone jack was taken away, it became more frustrating if you used wired headphones because you couldn't charge and listen to music at the same time, right? How would you charge your phone on a bus or in a or on a plane? How would you do that? Yeah, or in a backpack in between, right? Like running to the airport, you can plug your phone into your battery bank in your pocket. Yep. How is how would any of that work in a Qi charging world? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Uh, I honestly don't. Like, are they going to sell something that has a battery and has a internal wireless coil, and then you can like I don't know. It's it's it is way less flexible than plugging in with a cable. Like as as Justin is saying in the in the Real FM Discord, like you could have a battery case with an internal Qi charger, and that's fine. But then I also have to buy an external battery case. Like many planes, many coaches many trains have usb ports on them or power ports and all i need is a cable and i can i can plug my phone in mm-hmm. right and that means i don't have to spend an extra a hundred dollars on a battery case if i don't want to right so like it, it really I, I, it limits things a lot right or like even if even if it was fine when i was traveling somewhere i would then be taking a chi charger in my backpack for when i got to a hotel like i assume not many people do that like people you know they they may chi charge at home but they travel when they're on the road they will use a cable because chi chargers are big right when you traveled as a chi charging person you yes. would, would you you wouldn't take a chi charger would you no for a bunch no. of reasons. One, it's way bulkier than a cable, and two, it doesn't fast charge. And on trips, ah, yeah. especially trips like, rest in peace, WBDC, where like, you're out until the middle of the night or something, like you may be home, like in your hotel or Airbnb or whatever, for like an hour. I want to fast charge during that hour to get as much power back into my phone as possible. And cheat charging just isn't very fast. And so, like, I just can't work out where... I can't again it's like more for me in the cons column. Like and look, I am sure there are people who do take chi chargers with them on trips and find some way to charge on a plane by like having a little disc and putting their phone on it. But that just seems kind of ridiculous to me. I'm sorry. Like more power to you if that is your way of doing things, but like that just that that doesn't work for me. That seems wild. The only thing 
that could like i don't know you know what also i feel like uh, a flight attendant would be like what are you doing <laughs> right like i feel like that people wouldn't like that to see you do that um but unless i guess there is some kind of like massive battery breakthrough in which your phone could operate for two to three days without a charge right like if they would somehow couple those things together, I could maybe get this a bit more, right? That like the idea of charging changes, that like Qi, they've worked out a fast charging spec, which other companies are doing, right? Like OnePlus have one that they, they've expanded the Qi spec to also allow them to do uh, fast charging with, the, with a compatible charger. So maybe that's one part. And like two, your battery lasts for three days or whatever, then I could I could see it, right? But that doesn't seem, that kind of technology doesn't seem like it's in the near future. Like, we've all heard about this new battery tech forever, right? What What is they call it? It's like carbon or something? You know what I'm talking about. Like, there's this whole new battery technology. It's going to change everything. But I feel like I've been hearing about it for 10 years. Graphene? Is that it? Graphene batteries? Like, I think this is thing I've been hearing about forever that, like, if it actually works, it's going to be wild and it's going to change everything. But I feel like I've been hearing about it for probably like 10 years. But if that kind of thing comes to pass, then great. But like, it doesn't seem like that there's any anything to suggest that that's happening in the near future. The future is always just a couple years away, though. So, you know. They'll be here soon. That's, that's true, I guess. The, I mean, throughout this whole argument, Stevens torpedoed it. It's always it's always right around the corner. The thing uh, about the smart connector too, it makes me think about the Surface connector on Microsoft Surface products that charges, and you can hook up to a dock, right? And they took grief from users for a really long time not having USB C on there devices like well why can't I just charge over USB C or do this? Why do I have to have this weird proprietary thing? Right. And they've relented on some of that. They've got USB C on some of their stuff now. But people complained that it was like a thing that only worked for this one device. And if you think about lightning, that's kind of true now, but lightning is like iPhones are so ubiquitous, lightning is basically everywhere. And yep. Apple uses Lightning for AirPods and almost all the iPads and a bunch of other stuff, too. And so, in a way, even though Lightning is proprietary to Apple, it doesn't feel as proprietary as something like the Surface Connector, which is, like, a thing that Surface people have to deal with and other people don't. Right, but Surface users have options now, because you can also charge by USB-C now if you use a Surface. Yeah, yeah. A lot, for a lot of them. Yeah, but that's a very recent change. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, Lightning feels like a standard that it's really not. But moving to something that is even more proprietary, that if they use the smart connector, like they've got to move over a bunch of other stuff too. And you already have like the Apple Watch doing its own thing. And you already have the iPad line split. Like it could be where you're an Apple user and you got to have four different cables to charge your devices that are in your pocket or on your body. And that is something that's frustrating, but Lightning kind of puts it all underneath one umbrella for most of those things. And so I just don't know if they do this, like they've really got to sell the benefits of a smart connector for charging and or data. And I just don't know if anyone would be convinced that it's better than Lightning, let alone better than USB-C, which is what a lot of people yeah. want to see. Yeah. 
Yeah, like as you're right, like even if they do say that, oh, you can also charge via a smart connector, but you know, primarily you should be using Qi, it's still like, no, I would just prefer USB C, thank you, right? Because that would be really great because then my iPad, my MacBook, my Nintendo Switch, and my iPhone can all be charged by the same cable. Because that's actually what I want, right? Mm-hmm. Like I saw uh, a rumor from our friends at Mac Rumors, but this time about the iPad, that the next iPad Air is reportedly going to get a USB-C port, um, which I think that makes sense that the iPad line could all move to USB-C, mm-hmm. right? Because again, USB-C is a better connector for charging stuff because more and more products are being charged by the same thing. But it makes the iPhone even stand out more exactly because then it's like well now i really want my iphone to be USB-C because i've just now removed like now it's in a smaller camp because maybe my ipad and my iphone were charging by lightning well now my ipad is by USB-C, and my 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 now like the iphone is the odd one out that i'm bringing a cable for right and like that would just be i i would really not like that it would be really frustrating Mm-hmm. And also, again, suggested in the chat is like that the, the currently the phone is too thin for Type C. Like that's not. The, again, I will bring up my favorite fact, right? That the iPad Pro is the thinnest iOS device ever made. Not just the thinnest iPad, thinnest iOS device ever made. So they fit it on that, right? <laughs> like they could fit it on an iPhone. They definitely could do it. Like maybe they would need to flatten the sides, but that seems like the going to be the fun, cool thing anyway to mm-hmm. do. Um, and again, it would be super disappointing to me if they took the design cues from the iPad Pro but kept the lightning port on it. And it'd be really even more confusing than than, than the connector situation is now yeah. on the iPads. Yeah, I really hope that we are surprised and the next iPhone has a USB-C on it. Me too. But I can live with it. I will not be happy at all if they uh, take away all the ports in the future. Like I just, I just can't see that as like a thing that can that I can reconcile in my brain. It'd be a real bummer. Real bummer, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so who knows? I, I think, like you said, the second you start talking about what this means in real life, like as you travel or as you, you know, do whatever, it just it falls apart really quickly. So, mm-hmm. all right, this episode is also brought to you by Zojo. Zojo is a cross-platform development tool for creating native apps for the desktop, mobile, web, and Raspberry Pi with Android support coming soon. Zojo uses native controls so your app looks and acts like it's shown on every platform, and you can build your UI with drag and drop using one straightforward programming language to implement the functionality. With Zojo, you can build apps 10 times faster than with other tools because you can share code between the platforms you want to support. And you can cross-compile so you can build a native macOS app right from your PC. Zojo has been around for 20 years and is great for everyone, from new to professional developers alike. And with 400,000 users worldwide, apps built with this can be found in basically any conceivable category. So go to zojo.com slash connected, that's X-O-J-O dot com slash connected, and just see how many companies that you know are already using it. It's free to use for learning and development, but you'll need a license to build standalone applications and connected listeners can get 20% off with the code connected. That's zojo.com slash connected to get 20% off with the code connected. Thanks to Zojo for their support of the show and Relay FM. 
So I think this is probably going to be the penultimate anticipating WWDC segment that we do on the show because next week is a regular episode. The week after that, I assume we'll be doing our Ricky picks for WWDC. So we'll see. Uh, so we're going to do, I think we promised this last week, Mac OS. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is probably why Federico took a vacation, because we're going to talk about Mac OS now. And I figure we <laughs> should just turn this over to you, because I think of the two of us, or the three of us, you're definitely the person most in tune with the Mac. So why don't you take it away for what you would both think and like to see? Okay. I'm going to rope you into this, because I think that uh, you also are a Mac power user. You know, you you do a lot of work on on your Mac, so I, I want to hear what you have to say too. Um, so I I kind of just want to tell a couple of stories about some things that I've happened I've had happen in just the last few weeks. So I have a MacBook Pro and I have a Mac Pro, and these are some some things that have happened to me in macOS. My MacBook Pro has woken up and complained that it needed a Bluetooth keyboard attached. It was not aware that it had an internal keyboard. I ended up uh, putting it back to sleep and waking it up again. And I was like, oh, I have a keyboard. So not. Super confidence instilling. I cannot fathom how that occurred, but that's fun, I guess. Yeah. And some people on Twitter are like, oh, yeah, I've seen that too. So, oh boy. The Mac Pro continues to struggle sleeping and waking from sleep. This was better and now it's worse again in 10, 15, 5, the current version of Catalina. I've talked to a couple other Mac Pro users, and this seems to be pretty universal across the different setups. Like I use the LG 5K. Other people use the Pro Display. Sometimes USB can cause weird sleep-wake issues. There doesn't seem to be a big consensus on its, hey, it's this one thing. Uh, Sometimes, including this morning, I came to my office. I hit the space bar to wake the Mac up. It logged me in with my Apple Watch. And I had no visible cursor. So I could move the mouse. And if I moved it to the right edge, the dock would you know, move a little bit and I can take it to the top left and it's like the Apple menu, but no visible cursor. So I took my invisible mouse, went down to where I thought the restart menu was and hit restart and my cursor came back. Cursor support's only been part of Mac OS since, I don't know, 1984. (laughs) I guess the beginning of Mac OS. Yeah, the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, I shared this last week, but I've had to delete finder preferences to end finder crashes and I had to replace a Time Machine drive recently, and I had to reboot a machine to get Time Machine running again. You're supposed to be able to just remove the old drive, tell, point at the new drive, and start, and system preferences would just spin until I rebooted. That's not. That's actually not on either one of my machines. It's someone else's computer. Mm-hmm. I, I, pu- I bring these up not to just hit macOS over the head with a frying pan, even though I want to sometimes. But it's that there's a lot of things, a lot of little things that people deal with every day, like keyboards and cursors, that just seem a little bit broken at times. None of these issues are ongoing for me, except for the Mac Pro Sleeping Awaking, which sort of comes and goes. But it's these little edges, like, why is this a thing that I have to worry about? Why do I have to worry about my cursor disappearing? I was, I was thinking through this list and I said, oh, well, it's just time to ask for a Snow Leopard release. And then I thought that it is really sad that every few years we have to ask for one of those. Right. So if people aren't familiar, Snow Leopard was, oh gosh, I don't know, like 11 or 12 years ago or something, 2009. And 
it was touted as zero new features. That's not really true. It has some new stuff, but the big push was on stability. And Didn't with that feature Grand Central Dispatch, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a like lot a of under massive the stuff. thing, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sixty-four bit support head to toe. It was like a lot of stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, dropped power PC support. <laughs> like, I love it? that feature name, by the way, Grand Central Dispatch. It's so, it's so beautiful as a name. Like it's, it just sounds so good. Um, yeah, very nice. Do you know what it does? Moves <laughs> <laughs> trains around. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I know it's some underpinning thing. I, if I was going to say, I guess it's something about like using the multiple processor cores that are now in every Macintosh for more efficient performance. Due to the technical difficulties traditionally involved in making applications optimized for multi-core CPUs. That sounds like a Wikipedia article. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. I, th- I would assume it shifts thread handling uh, to focus to itself rather than leaving it to specific applications to distribute jobs evenly across cores and clears up unused memory created by inactive or old threads to achieve maximum performance, I guess. If you just had to off the top of your head. If I had to just assume. Yeah. Yeah. And so that has become sort of a rallying cry for Mac users. And in High Sierra, Apple's like, hey, it's like Sierra, but it's better. Also, also there's a new file system. But, you know, it was a, it was sort of a year off for Mac features, even though it really wasn't. And trying to make it, uh, you know, more stable and calm things down a little bit. And I just, I'm tired of every three or four years asking for this. I mean, I've said it on this show probably more than one year that it's time for a sort of a Snow Leopard release. We talked about that in terms of iOS 12, right? iOS 11 was kind of a hot mess. And 12 was, uh, after its launch, pretty good. And then 13 was a disaster, right? And now it's like, oh, maybe they'll do like a Snow Leopard year for the iPad. This is something that Apple users who pay attention just keep coming back to. And I blame it on one thing. I blame it on the annual release cycle. The Mac didn't have that in the beginning. It was every two to three years or so. And then starting with Lion or so, it became annual. And the reason they did that is there were a lot of features that came out on the Mac and iOS at the same time or very close to each other. So like iOS 8 and Yosemite, you had handoff, right? You want that across your platforms. But while the iPhone, and particularly the iPad, still need annual releases, the Mac doesn't. I think that there could be a world where we stay on Catalina or whatever for a couple of years. And you know what? Take a a look at what Microsoft's doing, right? It's Windows 10. They have a big update every eight months or so that adds new features. But the core OS is the same. Why is it that you know, when you updated to High Sierra or Mojave or something, that all of your USB audio broke. Like, why is that being messed with? Well, if you say, we're not going to go into the core, we're going to add features so it works with iCloud or whatever, the Mac would benefit from that slower pace. And, you know, you asked me to come up with, like, a feature list for 10.16. I don't know. Like, maybe I'm not like smart enough or have a good enough imagination, but the Mac feels pretty dang feature complete to me. But the features that are there, a lot of them are breaking down. And I really would implore Apple to slow down on the Mac OS release cycle. And it's one thing for me to complain about it as an end user. And like, yes, like I'm a power user. I run like, you know, my half of our production company on it. But in the enterprise and education, the annual cycle doesn't exist, right? A lot of education customers... And especially a lot of enterprise customers, 
stay on, you know, the N minus one release. So they're all running Mojave right now, or maybe even before that, maybe they're still in High Sierra and they will upgrade when they have to. Maybe their security updates stop or they have a security application that requires the new thing or they get a bunch of 16-inch MacBook Pros that can only run Catalina, so they have to uh, support it. For a lot of people, the annual cycle is a major headache. A lot of important Mac customers, it's a major headache. And so I I think, you know, in talking with my friends and people I know on the internet who are in that world of supporting Macs at scale, none of them are a fan of this annual release cycle. And I think it'd be really nice if Apple would break from it. Well, what what if it was like still came out every year, but it was really TikTok in nature? It would really be up to Apple to make it really clear that's what they're doing, right? Like it would be easy to assume that, okay, there was Sierra and High Sierra. We had Mojave, maybe Catalina will be sort of a quieter year. And Catalina in a lot of ways was the biggest change to macOS there's been in seven or eight years mm. and it's it's like well apple if they're going to do that they need to like lay it out in advance and say hey so just hypothetically hey catalina was a big change 1016 we're calling it i don't know something related to catalina i don't know i'm not very familiar with california hi catalina snow catalina <laughs> no it's it's an <laughs> island right so like soggy catalina okay it is uh catalina that you know but we've changed these five or six things we didn't touch anything else. If they were really clear about that and they stuck with it long enough that people would trust it, I think that would be fine. But I just I feel like the I feel like they're running a race that doesn't need to be run and they are only hurting the product in the meantime. Like I am on Mojave mm-hmm. and I have like no complaints like you do. Like I feel like maybe you know, like you know, there are always bugs. Of course. But it feels like Catalyst has been, for, for whatever reason, a little trickier for some users, right? Yeah. And so maybe like another version could still have new features in it, but would be more stable after the typical first or second point release. Because like I'm sure there were complaints about Mojave, but whatever those complaints were, like they're not affecting me anymore or they're not a problem for me. So, you know, like, I think maybe people have a a bad opinion of Catalyst because it does include a bunch of stuff which isn't, which which does degrade the experience yeah. kind of like by design. Ca- Catalina, you mean you said Catalyst, but that's a confusion. Yeah, yeah. but that too, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, that, that actually leads me on to a point of like, when you're saying about like what features could be added, like stuff like that, like making Mac Catalyst better could be something right? Which people would want. Oh, yeah. And I've got a handful of yeah. them. As far as like big features, it's pretty good. But yeah, I don't know. It just feels like the Mac's on a treadmill working way harder than it has to. That's my analogy for the day. Well, what do you, what would you want to see then? What kind of features would be realistic for you? Uh, so there are, uh, there are a couple. One is, uh, this is going to be nerdy for a second, but Apple it, with Catalina rolled out this thing called System Extensions and Driver Kit. So, like right now, if you install uh, VMware Fusion, right, you want to virtualize Windows, that application will install a kernel extension. So, it has like deep roots in the OS and, and it's how it allocates its memory and does all this stuff. And those are 
sort of inherently insecure. Apple's done a lot to harden the kernel against kernel extension intrusion, but kernel extensions by their nature have access to a lot of things. And Apple has said, hey, we're going to transition away from these. In fact, they are deprecated at this point in Catalina uh, in favor of system extensions and driver kit, which are two tools that sort of take on what kernel extensions used to do, but they elevate them into the user space. So it's it's more secure. So I think that that could be going away either this year or next year. I don't think it's any longer than 2021. That means that if you have apps that run kernel extensions, like I've got a couple, those applications will need to be updated or they will break. And it's, you know, virtualization software. It's some enterprise security software, like McAfee and some others may use kernel extensions. And so that's going to be, uh, at least for probably enterprise or power users, that could be a, uh, a pain in the butt. Not as big as a deal as the 32-bit app, you know, uh, death curtain that Catalina draped over the landscape, but could be a rough thing for some types of users. Let me ask you a question on that, mm-hmm. right? Because the 32 to 64 thing, yeah. my expectation was the apps that died were just the apps that weren't updated. Like, I can't imagine there were that many applications that couldn't be updated for 64-bit. Yeah, I think right? it was mostly like, oh, I've used this app for 15 years and I got, it quit getting support yeah. five years ago. But are there applications that couldn't run because of this new uh, kernel extension thing? Um, like, I'm, I'm asking, like, is that a thing? Like, are, are there applications that, w- because of this, would not be able to work? Uh, no, but it, again, it's it's up to those developers to... Right, so it's a similar thing that, like, th- this re- this replicates but changes the functionality. If someone puts in the work, they can create a driver kit kernel mm-hmm. extension rather than the typical kernel extension okay that's fine then i was just wondering if like because yeah i don't know i hear something like that without knowing too much about it and it kind of reminds me of like locking the system down yeah so i wondered if they'd removed any functionality it should be relatively okay once people get on board with it so and right. again they've had warning <laughs> you know they announced it last year so yeah well, yeah, but that's, you know, still a lot of apps died in the 32 to 64. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a similar thing. There will just be applications that are using kernel extensions, which just won't be updated. And I, I, look, mm-hmm. I can kind of get, like, personally, it's like, okay, right? Like, it would be a shame if there was an app that I lost that I couldn't replace, but things have to move on eventually. Yeah. Like, I don't really personally have a lot of problem with the 32 to 64 thing Mm-mm. um i i didn't like the way that the uh upgrade path was for catalyst i don't think it was made clear enough to users early enough agreed but from the sense of like the developer right like you know from the development angle like i you know or just like in the abstract it's like i do agree that things have to move forward but I don't I don't feel like users were told early enough in the upgrade process that there are applications that were just not going to work anymore for them. Uh, there are rumors that messages will become a Catalyst app. It seems like a lot of the messages stuff is actually already there, but not sort of put into an application. I think Steve Trout-Smith and others found some of that. Yeah, and shortcuts as well, Steve. found. Like, yeah, shortcuts pictures. is basically just all there with no UI. Yeah. So I think some of those things will con- will continue to to take shape, you know, Catalyst was new, and I wrote it at the I wrote at the time that it really felt like Catalyst was done in secret, and most of Apple didn't know about it. And there was also a Swift UI, 
at the same time, and most of Apple didn't know about it. And there, SwiftUI and Catalyst are sort of on a collision course in a way. I think Catalyst is the short-term bridge and SwiftUI is the long-term future. But we haven't really seen much of either on macOS, right? There are a handful of apps, some from the year before that are terrible, like Home and uh, what was it? Stocks and, you know, those you know, those original ones. Home, I think, being the, the worst by far. And then there's the newer ones, right? So, like, the podcast app on the Mac OS, is, it's actually pretty good. Like, it, it feels like a Mac app for the most part. It works like a Mac app for the most part. And it's running on Catalyst, unlike TV and music, which are still basically the old iTunes guts, but just sort of re- refreshed. So I think we will see more Catalyst apps over time from Apple. I think Messages is ripe for it. You know, it's living in like the cave where it found the bones of yeah. iChat. So, And I would like to see personally, just from a statement perspective, a core to the system application like Messages become Catalyst. Like podcasts is nice but like it was new Mm -hmm. um and and also like look obviously i love podcasts but not uh, i can imagine not a lot of use on the mac nor is it like fundamental to the platform no right but messages you know like oh all right like here we go now i have a question for you though right this is all fine to say, uh, like, oh, i don't want to see too much happen to the mac or like oh apple probably won't do that much what about an ARM transition, though? Like, if this is the year, isn't that going to be, like, a massive undertaking for macOS? Absolutely. You know, I was thinking about the the Intel switch and how, in one way, to the user, it was basically invisible. Like, you lost classic mode, but if you were still in classic mode in Tiger, you had it coming anyways, probably. But for most people, you just bought a MacBook Pro or like your, you know, white Intel iMac that you had, and it was just really fast. And it was a pretty good, smooth transition. Now, that was only possible because Apple did a ton of work behind the scenes. So they had Intel versions of OS, the OS running on a, you know, sort of secret, (laughs) secret lab bench somewhere they had it all ready to go they had rosetta which allowed power pc apps to run on intel max under emulation most of them there were a couple of apps that couldn't do it but for the most part most part they could but so apple can go to those resources again right they can they can have emulation they can keep the interface the same it's just that your macbook air now instead of 10 hours of battery life it gets 20 and that's the only change. Like that's the ideal solution, I think, for for an end user, right? You just your next laptop gets twice the battery life of your old one. Mm. That's what people want out of an ARM transition, right? Who that's what people want, not knowing there's an ARM transition coming, but it's like that's just what consumers want when they buy a MacBook Air. So in terms of developers, though, it's a huge deal because they've got to have their apps up and running on ARM. But in talking with a bunch of developer friends, that's going to be way easier than it was PowerPC to Intel because there's so much ARM stuff going on already. And if you have code base shared between your Mac app and your iOS app, it's already written in a way that is going to be really easy just to flip that switch or check that box in Xcode. Not that it's going to be one click and you're done. There's going to be some fine tuning, 
but it seems like it may be less work for developers making apps in modern ways than the Intel switch was all those years ago. So it is a big upheaval, but I think it honestly, I think it could be less of an upheaval than it was when we went to Intel. That makes sense. Yeah. But what about like the platform itself though? Like, would it be, my assumption would be that there's a lot of stuff currently in Mac OS, which has been kicking around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Right. Like not as a developer, like who's taken advantage of the APIs, but like just the stuff that's been in the Mac for been dragging along for years and years since the Intel transition. Um, and my, my assumption would just be that it would be a lot of work from Apple internally to get it to a point where it would, it would function. Yeah, and maybe they you know, would they... have to have the entire thing function functioning, right? Yeah, like you can't stage the develop like the release of the operating system. Sure, right. And and so what I've heard from people that in the years before the Intel transition, you know, Steve Jobs was like, "We've had it running for five years. All of our projects are cross compiled." Like that was true, but it wasn't super true. Like, yes, maybe Mail ran on the Intel version of Jaguar, but it was kind of busted and they had a lot of work to do if the arm transition is coming that work is if their transition is coming in three weeks that works all done by this point and if you remember at a previous wwdc apple took the time to say even though iphone os was born of mac os you know all these years ago over time the subsystems have wandered apart from each other and we have been working over the last several years to reunify them so now, let's just say core audio is, you know, I don't know if core audio specifically, but as an example, core audio now is way closer on Mac OS and iOS or whatever subsystem you pick. And so mm-hmm. it may be that Apple's been doing this for years, moving Mac OS and iOS closer together. So when they do make this transition, all their ducks are already in a row. And no doubt the first developer version of our mac os it's probably going to be buggy i mean that that was true of the developer preview of tiger for intel but by the time tiger for intel shipped you know if you set a power book down next to a macbook pro the only difference was the macbook pro was way faster and that's what the end goal should be i hope so oh yeah you know, and there's always the question of, well, what does the developer transition look like? You know, I, I wrote about this a couple years ago on uh, Federico's site about the Intel development kit. And go read the article if you haven't seen it. It's in the show notes where they had like a Power Mac G5 case, but with like a Pentium 4 in it. It was very strange. Um, I'd love to get my hands on one. If someone's got one floating around, get in touch. But it is this like standalone product. And now, I mean, Jason says like, oh, maybe the the current iPad Pro could be the transition kit. You know, they got the trackpad and the keyboard. I don't know what they're going to do. They'll do something, probably. But they may also not actually have to do anything because of where the development tools are now compared to they were then. Maybe they can Mm -hmm. just ship an ARM MacBook Air in the fall, tell everybody now, and it basically be okay at launch. Hmm. I don't know. It's going to be exciting. And, you know, maybe this is the year. It feels like it's getting closer and closer. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, I hope it's true. I think I think our Max would be really exciting. Can you imagine any kind of situation where it would happen this year but not be shown at WWDC? No, this it is feels the like time. it would have to be that right. Like this you either do it now, 
like you do it with WWDC or you wait another year, mm-hmm. right? Like this isn't immediately a customer story. Right. And making it a customer story before a developer story would make the customer story worse. Agreed. So, and yeah. if, if, again, if you look at what they did with Intel, and it's obviously they're a different company now, mm. but they said, hey, developers, we're telling you today, you can get a copy of this. You can order one of these bananas, Pentium <laughs> Power Max, and we're going to start shipping them soon. And that did. You know, probably have a little Osborne effect on the, those PowerPC Macs, but Apple had to tell developers so they were ready. Because to your point, you don't want to buy a computer you can't run any software on. And then they shipped the first Intel Macs that January, so, you know, five, six months later. And then they were done by the next WWDC. They did it all in a year, which was faster than they said it would be. Now, we're sidestepping for today. What do they do with the iMac Pro and my beloved Mac Pro, you know, those Intel machines that maybe they can't meet the specs of yet. I don't I don't know. But I do think they've got to tell developers ahead of time and just understand that, yeah, it may hurt our sales in the meantime. But honestly, I don't even know if it will because the MacBook Air is really good. And people who are just going like, to go out and buy a MacBook Air, they pay attention to this stuff? Like, I don't think they do. And... And if, even if they do, they may not understand it. And so... Well, they they were still selling them when the keyboard was bad. Yeah, a bunch of them, right? So... And, you know. and, you know, honestly, like, it would keep me from buying a new laptop. I mean, I just bought one, so, I, you know, I, don't, I bought one not that long ago, so I don't need one. But it would hold me off, but, you know, there's not many people in the world that buy Apple products that, you know, are as tuned in as, you know, us and our audience are. And also, I could imagine a lot of people wouldn't want the new one, right, as well. Like, I can imagine people saying, yeah, like, no, I would prefer to stick to what it, what I know. You or know like, give it... Not or, a lot, yeah. but I can imagine there also being people in that camp. Or give it a little while. You know, like, oh, let's give it six months. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's possible, too, that depending on the emulation story, there may be people who prefer an Intel Mac for a while. Uh, I think I've told this story before, but I had a customer at the Apple store who had a Power Mac G5, into the Mac Pro era, and it died, and he had to have PowerPC hardware. It was, like, really high-end audio stuff that wasn't on Intel yet. And I found him, like, a refurbished Power Mac G5 and talked to Apple into sending it to him as a replacement. Because we were going to replace his computer, but I could only replace it with a Mac Pro. And I, you know, begged and pulled a bunch of favors to get this guy a G5 because that's what he needed. There's always going to be people at the edge cases, but... I think for most consumers, and honestly, probably most power users, unless you're like developing or doing something really weird in the OS, it's going to be pretty invisible, hopefully, if Apple does their job well. I would love to know if any of our listeners are still using PowerPC hardware that they cannot update. Mm. I'd just love to know that. Now you've said that, it's like, you know, like how we had the people still using Aperture? Yeah. Right? Like, if for whatever reason, like, that is a thing, I would really love to know. Yeah, let us know on Twitter. The show is at underscore connected FM. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so, I mean, you use your iMac Pro a whole bunch. Is there anything that um, comes to mind for you? No. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, like, I don't, no matter what they put in, I don't want to upgrade to it, right? Like, this is, you know, like I'll, I'll say this forever, but... My Mac is a tool for production. 
Like, I don't want the newest version of the tool. Like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. There is nothing wrong with my Mac Pro running Mojave. Do not want to touch it. Like, I'm not going to upgrade to Catalina either. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just going to leave this thing on Mojave until I am forced to move. Like, I had to update. You know, like, in the past, I've been forced to update because software that I need will only, like, they cut off, right? Right. I'll do it for that. Like, if I needed to buy a new machine, right? Like, I'm only on Mojave because it was all I could get on the iMac Pro, right? Like, it wasn't running High Sierra, which is what I was on previously on my uh, Retina iMac. So, I just make sure I have the security updates, which they release. And that's another thing. Like, if Apple are going to cut me off security update-wise, then I'll move to something, right? Like, I'll move to the oldest version of an operating system that I can get. But... I just like to stay on the Mac where I am. Like, th- there isn't anything in that is exciting in these new versions of the operating systems, typically, that brings me over. It's very rare that there'll be a feature on iOS that doesn't work on the Mac, right? Or at least with some compatibility. I'll hand it to Apple that they're pretty good with that, right? Like, it's very rare that something is, like, completely broken, uh, so yeah, I, I have no desire to move. So there's nothing that I want. I don't have that feeling about the Mac. There are like concepts and like ideas. I think it would be nice for the Mac platform for them to implement. Like I said, like I would like to see Apple uh, m- produce more of their own Catalyst apps. But like, yeah. I don't care because I can't run any of the Catalyst apps. <laughs> Just the Mojave. four that came in your system that are all bad. Yeah, but like all the, they're like the verse ones or whatever. But like, you know, like I don't have the podcasts app. Yeah. Right? Um, I still have iTunes Woo! on this thing and, and will for the foreseeable future. So like I would like to see it. Uh, I, I personally would really like to see an ARM transition happen just because I am really intrigued as to what that could do for the Mac. Mm-hmm. But. You know, it's not like I have a laundry list of features that I want to see like I would, for example, on iOS and iPadOS. Sure. Which are your primary drivers? So Yeah. That's where I care about things moving and changing and becoming more exciting. Because as well, also, there is more to do, especially on iPadOS. There are actual things to be done. You know, like, I don't know if many people are asking for uh, the windowing paradigm to be rethought on the Mac. You know, like like people are asking for there to be refinements to the multitasking system. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, I think that does it. Yep. Feel good. Yeah. All right. If you want to find links to the stories we spoke about, head on over to the website relay.fm/slash/connected/slash/297. While you're there, you can become a member to support this show directly. Thank you so much to our connected members out there. Uh, when you join, you get a bunch of cool stuff, including access to the Relay FM members Discord that we mentioned a couple of times during the show. You can also send us an email with feedback or follow up. You can find us on Twitter, of course. Mike is there as I M Y K E. Mike is the host of a bunch of other shows here on Relay FM. Federico is off this week, but you can find him on Twitter at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. He's the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. And uh, he should be back with us next week, I think. And the japes will resume. Oh, boy. (laughs) You can find me on Twitter as ISMH and my work at uh, 512pixels.net, as well as a bunch of shows here, both places. Uh, Multifaceted Mm -hmm. media experience for me, if you want it. 
I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Smile, Hello, and Zojo. Until next week, Mike, say goodbye. Cheerio. Adios.